In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Of course, we know that today we celebrate the glorious resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, which granted us life and eternal hope for us to continue to live in this world, that even though we might experience all kinds of suffering and distresses and trials here, but we believe that in the end, the Lord will end all of these struggles and trials and to let us to live eternally with him. We read in John chapter 20, Go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. This is what the Lord Jesus Christ declared in terms of his resurrection, and what is it that is really the most important event in Christianity. St. Paul actually said about this event, the resurrection of, the, of Christ, he said, If Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. This is why to understand the resurrection and to believe in the resurrection, not only from a philosophical or theoretical perspective, but from a very true perspective, just as His Grace Bishop Yusuf was saying, if we truly believe that the resurrection is a reality and is true, then it will be reflected in the way that we choose to live, in the decisions that we make, in the things that we do, and the things that we choose not to do. So it's important for us to understand some of the proofs and the evidence of the resurrection, that even when we are considering, is this really true that this happened? We can read through the scripture and understand many of the events that were leading up to this time of the resurrection and how all of the word of God is united in this one message of salvation that was accomplished through the Lord Jesus Christ in his resurrection. For instance, there are many prophecies in the Old Testament that we can read that was speaking about the coming of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. For instance, in Job 19, it says, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. And Psalm 16, For you will not leave my soul in Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. This is a, a messianic prophecy of the, the resurrection of Christ, that even after he died, that he will not remain in Sheol or in death, and he will rise again. In Hosea 6.2, it says, On the third day he will raise us up, that we may live in his sight. Again, another very stark and clear um, evidence of the resurrection. And these statements were written thousands of years before even the coming of Christ to predict what is it that would come. But I want to speak about three main symbols of the resurrection. The first one is the symbol of Jonah the prophet. And actually the Lord Jesus Christ compared his resurrection, which had not yet happened yet, to what happened with Jonah the prophet. In Matthew 12, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The idea that when Jonah was thrown into the sea and he went down into the depth, and yet after three days he rose up again, this was a symbol of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And many people might read the story of Jonah and question even, is this story real? How is it possible that such a story would happen and a man would be thrown into the sea and he would be swallowed by a fish and he would remain there for three days and three nights and then eventually come out alive? Actually, not only is the story true, but why is it that even God allowed it to happen was because it was a symbol of the resurrection. So that those people who knew the story of Jonah, having understood it and having learned it, would then realize that what is happening to the Lord Jesus Christ is the same. Another very interesting prophecy that we read about in the Old Testament in the book of Levit Leviticus had to do with one of the rites that, the Lord, that the, the Lord told the people to practice. He says, this is a way of the purification of lepers. How is it that someone who has leprosy would be purified? And we read about it in Leviticus 14. He says, then the priest shall command to take for him who is to be cleansed two living and clean birds, cedar wood, scarlet, and hyssop, 
and the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in an earthen vessel over running water. As for the living bird, he shall take it, the cedar wood, and the scarlet, and the hyssop, and dip them, and the living bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the running water, and he shall sprinkle it seven times on him who is cleansed from the leprosy, and shall pronounce him clean, and shall let the living bird loose in the open field. So we see the, these two birds, these two sparrows, represent the Lord Jesus Christ, the one that is killed and whose blood falls into this earthen vessel with water and with wood, this cedar wood, represents the crucifixion of Christ. And then the other bird that is also dipped into this blood but was not killed and let go and to free to fly away is the resurrected Christ. So even in the book of Leviticus in the Old Testament, there is the symbol of death and resurrection about this bird who died and lives again uh, as, as a symbol of the cleansing of the leper, a person who is cleansed from sin. We see also the use of the cedar wood that is mixed also in this earthen vessel, which is a representation of the cross. So even though we might not suffer from physical leprosy, but we suffer from a spiritual sickness of sin, and the Lord Jesus Christ heals us through the power of his resurrection. A third symbol in the Old Testament regarding the resurrection has to do with the rock that the Lord Jesus Christ uh, or that the Lord allowed water to come out of in order to quench the thirst of the Israelites as they were wandering in the desert. We read about this in Exodus 17 when Moses was um, called to, to, to draw water from this rock. The that happened two times. The first time the Lord told Moses to hit the rock with his staff so that water would come out of the rock. In Exodus 17, it says, Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water will come out of it that the people may drink. So he went there with some of the elders of Israel, and this rod is representing of the cross, and the, the rock is Christ himself. Actually, St. Paul, he speaks about this analogy and says that this rock is Christ. So when Moses hits the rock, with the rod that was in his hand, this is a representation of the crucifixion. And at the crucifixion, the water would come out of the rock. It would be a life-giving fountain of water that would then quench the thirst of all of the people to give us life. This was the first time that God told Moses to bring water out of the rock by hitting it with the rod. The second time, instead of telling him to hit the rock with his rod, he asked him to speak to the rock. And we read about this in Numbers 20. God says, Take the rod, and you and your brother Aaron gather the congregation together, speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield its water. And this time, Aaron also, his brother, who was the priest, went with him along with the entire congregation, and he was to speak to the rock, not to hit the rock. So what is the symbolism that we understand and why is it that the first time he told him to hit the rock with the rod and the second time he told him only to speak to the rock. So as I mentioned, St. Paul, he speaks about the spiritual rock. He says, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was Christ. So this rock that they were getting the water from was a symbol of Christ himself. The second time, the reason it was different is that Aaron was a symbol of the priesthood and speaking to the rock is actually a symbol of the liturgy. That he, he said, we are not going to crucify the Lord again. The Lord was crucified, so to speak, symbolically the first time when he struck him with the rod and water came out. The second time, 
the Lord had already been crucified, and so now we are gaining the and participating in the sacrifice that the Lord Christ had done, but we are not sacrificing him again. This is exactly what we do in the liturgy. In the liturgy, we are participating in the sacrifice. This is why when we, we pray and the Lord Jesus Christ comes upon the altar as, the, as the, the bread and the wine, his body and blood on the altar, this is the sacrifice. But it is not a new sacrifice. It is not that we are sacrificing him a second time. This is why actually God told Moses not to hit the rock the second time. And Moses actually did hit the rock the second time and, and God rebuked him for it. So speaking to the rock is a symbol of the liturgy, and also this time he has Aaron with him, who is a symbol of the priesthood in the, um, uh, the institution of the liturgy and in the participation in the liturgy. So this is, again, is a symbol of the Lord Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. Another proof of the resurrection that we see is the testimony of the disciples. If you look at the way that the disciples spoke and acted and behaved and what they did, um, prior to the resurrection and what is it that they did after you see a very very big and stark contrast a big difference between them the disciples became very bold and they were willing to sacrifice their lives and be martyred for the, the for, for the sake of Christ if all of the accusations that the people were giving against them saying that they lied saying that they stole the body saying whatever all these things if, if the disciples were not completely a hundred percent convinced of the truth of the resurrection they would not have allowed themselves to die for this especially when these very same men prior to the resurrection we read about them quarreling with one another we read about them wanting the place of prominence we read about them completely misunderstanding what is it that the lord came to do maybe even wanting to do violence to others instead of allowing and, and, and being humble so there was a very very big difference in their life from before and after the resurrection and they were willing even to sacrifice of themselves as a result this is also a testimony of a proof of the resurrection and of course we have the empty tomb that many people now will argue and say was the tomb really empty maybe it was a different tomb maybe christ didn't actually die but he was severely injured and he got up and walked out maybe um, they stole the body people give all kinds of different um, possible explanations because they refuse to want to accept the idea that the Lord Jesus Christ actually resurrected from the dead. This man, Paul Althus, he is a theologian, and this is what he says. He says, the resurrection could not have been maintained in Jerusalem for a single day, for a single hour, if the emptiness of the tomb had not been established as a fact for all concerned. Because if anyone who was against Christ and against the disciples, clearly wanting to demonstrate that what they were saying was false, then they would simply produce the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, either as a person who is still alive or as a dead body that was somehow stolen away from the tomb. Nobody contested the fact that the tomb was empty and there was no proof ever brought to try to contest what is it that the, 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 the disciples were claiming, which was that the Lord Jesus Christ himself was resurrected. So finally, I just want to think, what is important for us when we speak about the resurrection and the proof of the resurrection? Number one, the resurrection is the strongest evidence for the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is the strongest evidence. We know of many people who um, started religions, um, different philosophers, different people who consider themselves to be prophets, people who consider themselves to have received some kind of divine revelation and established uh, religions and writ wrote books and have quite a following. But how many of those uh, religions and how many of those people had some strong evidence as the resurrection 
that we have in, in, in our faith, what can be compared to it? What can, can be compared to the resurrection itself? That a man would die and he would come back to life again. There is no other um, act in any religion that matches the magnitude of this event. In Romans chapter 1, St. Paul says, Concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. This is the evidence that we have, and this is something important for us to understand. Even when we maybe sometimes begin to doubt or we go through different situations in our lives and we kind of forget about the power of God, or we forget the presence of God, to remember and to go back and remember what is it that the Lord Christ actually did and that he has power over all things and that there is nothing beyond his reach and there is nothing that he cannot do that he even can resurrect from the dead not even to resurrect someone else from the dead but to resurrect himself from the dead which means that he never truly lost him his power that death had no control or power over him there is no miracle worker that can continue to perform miracles after that person has already died and yet the lord jesus christ continued to live he did not cease to exist after his bodily death, but he rose from the dead and he was alive. This is the strongest evidence for the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he truly is God. He's not just a prophet. He's not just a wise man. He's not just a good man, but he actually is God himself. The second um, important thing for us regarding the resurrection is that it is the most convincing evidence that the Bible is actually true. Because the Bible is a book that speaks about what is it that the Lord Jesus Christ did and said and all of the events leading up to this point of the resurrection for our salvation. When we want to see how is it that we should live, what is it that we should believe, what is the book that we should refer to to tell us the things that we do not know and to answer the questions that we have. And we, of course, as Christians, point to the Bible and say, this is the book. This is the book that has the answers. And if someone comes to us and says, why do you believe that this is the book? Why do you believe that what is written in here is the truth? even when there are some things in it that might seem counterintuitive or we're not exactly 100% in agreement with it or understand it. Why do you believe that this is the book that we should refer to and go back to as a guidebook for our life? And what is it that we should hope for in the future? We again go back to the resurrection. This is the book that told us about who the Lord Jesus Christ was, what is it that he did, and that he rose from the dead. And these are his words. And if he can truly rise from the dead, then we believe whatever he says. If he can truly rise from the dead, then whatever he says is true. It has to be. There is no other option because no one else can do what is it that he did. No other prophet, no other religious leader, no one can, can do what is it that he did. So if he is saying it, then it must be the truth. And so we follow it. We should not follow simply our minds. What is it that we think? Or what is it that the world says? Or what reason says? There are some things that are beyond reason. Some things that are above reason that we look to the Lord Jesus Christ and his revelation in the Bible and we believe it and we live according to it. Finally, it's important for us to believe in the resurrection because it is the living hope for all of us who believe. This is the hope. This is the hope that we all have. Why is it that we struggle? If you look at this last week of Holy Week, for someone who participated in every prayer, who went to every Holy Week prayer, who, who stayed up very, very late in the middle of the night, who did prostrations, who fasted, who struggled, why is it that a person would suffer in this way 
apart from the fact that they believe that this is the truth and that this is a hope that we have in the future that whatever it is that we have here in this life is nothing in comparison to what is it that we are will inherit what is it that god is preparing for us how is it that god is leading us to himself and to his heavenly kingdom so it defines our entire life this is why in the orthodox church our faith is not just a side issue it's not just something that I do on Sundays. It's not just something that I do when I have the time. It's not something that I do when it's convenient. No, it's something that I cancel my plans to do. It's something that, I, that, that my whole life revolves around the idea of my worship, the idea of my belief in God, the idea of my personal sacrifice that I offer to Christ because he offered himself to me and he rose again from the dead. This is the life and this is the hope that we have, not the hope of this world, not the hope of the temporary things that we seek after that we hope for that might happen to us or might not happen to us that even if the greatest things that we desire the greatest things that we hope for in our life even if we actually receive those things there will be a day where they are taken again but the thing that cannot be taken from us is the hope that we have in the resurrection of christ that we will be resurrected with him that we will live eternally with him and this is what brings us joy it is not the temporary things that happen in our life that bring joy Yes, maybe we can be happy for a time because of the things that we want to happen to us happen. But there will be a day where those things will cease to be. What will be our, the source of our joy then? If I place all of my hope on the things of this world and then the world is taken from me, where will be my joy? Our eternal joy and our eternal hope is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And today we celebrate the proof of his deity. The proof that everything he said to us is true so that we turn to him we have our hope in him and that our hope is not in vain so when someone in the world comes to us and says why do you waste your time why do you believe in delusions why do you think these things that are clearly not true we go back to the resurrection and we say look our lord jesus christ resurrected he is he is our master he is the creator he is the one and we believe in him we believe in what he said and we place all of our hope in him so may god grant us during this coming holy 50 days that we are remembering the resurrection and that we have really a true hope and a true joy not just a joy of the food we get to eat but a joy of the true eternal life that god has granted us and glory be to god forever amen